0: Welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 8th of November, with me, Bernadette and Derko. We've got a busy show today covering, as ever, the latest markets news, but we're also joined by two of our research experts to delve into both the bond and equity markets a little more deeply and find out what they think investors should be focusing on as we head into year end. But first, let's crack on with the highlights of the latest market action with Alexander Peterson. Good morning, Alex.
1: Good morning, Bernadette.
0: Well, Alex, we don't normally start the show with commodities news, but oil prices have fallen to a three-month low now. Has something specific driven that?
1: Yes, indeed. Oil prices have fallen sharply over the past three weeks following forecasts of declining US gasoline consumption and other indicators of a deteriorating demand outlook. This has been driven by the unwinding of the Israel-Hamas war risk premiums and concerns over the state of the Chinese economy. On the supply front, Russian shipments are near a four-month high and U.S. crude inventories rose by almost 12 million barrels last week. OPEC Plus remains upbeat on demand outlook as it prepares for its next ministerial meeting where Saudi Arabia and Russia may decide whether to extend voluntary supply cuts into 2024. Brent crude is currently trading around $81 per barrel.
0: Okay, uh, moving on from commodities then um, to U.S. bond markets. We've seen some movement there. What can you tell me about that?
1: The bond market is betting that the U.S. Federal Reserve and other central banks are going to make a dovish pivot in their cycle of interest rate hikes. The markets are pricing in 92 basis points of interest rate cuts over the next year. Our analysts expect the first rate cut from the U.S. in the second half of the year. Markets reacted positively to this, with the S&P 500 index closing in the green and the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield declining to 4.61%.
0: Okay, um, there was also some news yesterday that U.S.-China ties have improved. Uh, What can you tell us there, Alex?
1: Yes, so... Hang Seng, a senior official in Beijing, has said that recent high-level meetings between China and the U.S. have been positive and have raised expectations of improved relations between the two countries. This comes ahead of next week's meeting between Chinese President Xi Jinping and U.S. President Joe Biden. In their meeting next week, Biden will be looking for stability in the run-up to next year's elections, while China will be keen to attract more foreign investment to boost its slowing economy.
0: Okay, so then following on from that, how are the Asian markets looking this morning?
1: The Asia-Pacific markets are a mixed bag. However, the Chinese CSI 300 is trading slightly in the red. The Japanese Nikkei 225 is trading down, currently off one third of a percent. Hong Kong's Hang Seng is marginally lower, but India's main index, however, is trading a little up.
0: Okay, then lastly, Alex, what's coming up today? What should investors be looking out for?
1: So looking ahead to the rest of the day, investors will be watching inflation figures as well as credit supply from China. There are also some central banks reporting today, including the Bank of England as well as the Central Bank of Poland. Uh, Also, earnings season is in full swing with 3D System, Warner Bros., Virgin Galactic and Bayer among those reporting today. Futures are pricing in a lower open. And that's pretty much all for today's wrap up. And with that, back to you, Bernadette.
0: Thanks very much for bringing us the the latest news from the markets, Alex. So now it's time to look at bond markets with uh, Dario Messi from Fixed Income Research. Uh, Good morning, Dario.
2: Good morning, Bernadette.
0: Dario, perhaps before we delve into your topic, Alex just mentioned a dovish pivot coming up. And I've heard that expression all over the news in the last few days. For those who might be wondering what on earth that means, could you give us a a simple explanation, please?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, Let's say... Over many months, uh, the, the most important force for central bankers was to sound as hawkish as possible and uh, just to make sure that there is no doubt about uh, that their determination uh, when it comes to inflation fighting. Now, this dovish pivot is referred to kind of uh, uh, pointing also to the other direction as well now, meaning rate cuts are also back on the table for next year. Um, I would say the, the notion dovish pivot is maybe a bit extreme. Um but you know how it is, uh, financial markets like this kind of extreme swings uh, back and forth. But uh, I also have to say it's it's true, the communication is more balanced. I would say uh, it's, it's more uh, pronounced in Europe uh, and the ECB compared to the Fed. But yes, it's more balanced. Um, in our view, we also think we have seen the peak rates now, um, but at the same time, we think uh, or well, the current pricing of rate cuts next year uh, by markets might might just be a bit too aggressive, or at least uh, it's expected to be too early in 2024 for us. Um, as Alex mentioned uh, before, we still think it's more something for the second half of, of next year only then.
0: Okay, thanks very much for that. Um, in recent episodes, we've talked a lot about central banks, fiscal policy and what they mean for interest rates and bond yields generally. For a change, let's look at the riskier part of the bond market, the high-yield bond sector. How are they performing? Are they still performing well?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was mostly in the second and and, and third quarter when we saw this big outperformance of of this deep high-yield market uh, against our expectations back then. Um, But you also might remember, it was also the time when we uh, got much better than feared signals on economic activity, a lot of upward revisions and, and also this recession that all were waiting for did just not materialize. Um, after the summer break, however, we have to say that we finally started to see uh, some weakness in, in highly leveraged companies and also some spread widening.
0: Okay, and what about last week's sharp decrease in yields more broadly? I mean, I guess the high yield is like that as well.
2: Yeah, that's true. Last week uh, certainly was the exception here uh, in that regard and we got quite a relief rally uh, with spreads compressing again um, but first of all i would say an average we did no, not go back to the low spread levels obser- observed in september so we remained above them and secondly uh, even more importantly to us uh, the weakest tail so the triple c's and lower this part of the segment showed a substantial underperformance in this relief uh, rally last week so there seems to be more differentiation among the investors now
0: so is that underperformance then set to continue? I mean, would that make you remain cautious on the riskier credit segments?
2: Yes, exactly. We would remain cautious. We we have to admit, uh, credit metrics such as uh, net debt to EBITDA they actually remain stable and are not alarming, at least on average. Yeah, but but it's in credit portfolio you don't care that much just about the average, but uh, about how many credit events you ultimately have, how many companies will not be able to pay back and here uh, we still believe uh, many companies are not uh, positioned or not ready for the for the new world of higher cost of capital so we have uh, unprofitable and highly leveraged companies uh, they will face more difficulties to refinance at the first place or if they have access to the markets uh, they are just forced to finance at much higher rates which which pressures the cost structure and ultimately also the balance sheet then even further over the coming months Um, You also see it in indicators like the the loan officer survey uh, that um, we see coming out uh, from the Fed, but also here from from the ECB. uh, They are still cautious and quite restrictive in giving loans to banks. And this is something that will definitely be felt over um, uh, the medium term, especially when we say uh, yields or rates are, are to stay a bit longer at these levels. Yeah, so from that perspective, In summary, we would say the valuation improved since uh, the summer, but it's not yet uh, sufficient to change our underweight rating for the global high market. It's also that the alternative of this higher quality debt is just too promising at this point.
0: Very clear insights there. Great. Thanks very much, Dario, and thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Bernadette. Now, I promised you a dive into both bond and equity markets at the start of the show. So I'm now delighted to be joined by our head of equity strategy, Mathieu Rachete, for an update on the stock markets as we head towards year end. Good morning, Mathieu. Good morning, Bernadette. So, Mathieu, the earnings season in the US has moved to an advanced stage now, I guess you'd say, with roughly 90% of the S&P 500 having reported their results already. Has the picture changed much from when you were on the podcast last Tuesday?
3: Yeah, you know, it seems like uh, the further ones we are in the earnings season, the better the picture looks like. And if you remember, at the beginning of the earnings season, the beat ratio, which is the percentage of companies that beat consensus earnings estimates, was around 72%, which is below um, the historical average of 75%. This number has increased to um, 78% just a week ago when we um, last talked, and now the latest number is 82%, so an above average earnings season in terms of beats. What has really driven the beat? Um, it's especially the mega-gap companies in the technology and communication sector which surprised positively on the margin side given the cost-cutting measures they introduced earlier this year. Um, given the strong numbers, the strong set of numbers that we have seen, Consensus has now further upgraded the earnings estimates for the S&P 500 for the third quarter and is now expecting earnings growth of 4% compared to the same quarter last year, up from minus 0.5% at the start of the earnings season. So, the earnings recession that the S P and 500 has been facing over the past quarters seems now to be
0: finally over. Okay, good news there then. Um, you said especially that technology and communications have driven the positive surprises. Is there any particular sector that stands out on the negative end of the spectrum?
3: Yeah, um, there is actually one. Um, it's industrials. Um, so if you remember during the past couple of earnings season, industrial has has been a sector which always stood out in terms of earning speeds, always very strong numbers, beating earnings consensus estimates. Um, but this time around, we have seen only a few beats within the sector. Most of them just come in line um, are not longer able to beat contentious expectations. Also, if you look at guidance, you know, during the previous quarters, they mostly raised guidance. But this time around, um, companies within the sector usually confirm or even reduce their guidance. Um, order growth has also start, clearly started to decelerate and backlogs also started to decrease from Um, really peakish levels there Um, we think going forward um, investors need to be more selective when it comes to investing into the sector Um, more specifically here we think investors should focus on the industrial companies that have the right mix of regional and also end market exposure so we prefer companies that have a higher exposure to the us which is holding up much better than europe and china in economic terms and those that have exposure to the end markets, uh, such as non-residential construction, aerospace, data centres, and also electrifications. On the flip side, uh, we recommend avoiding the European capital goods space, given its relatively high exposure to weakening markets.
0: Okay, very, very clear thinking there, Mathieu. Um, last week when we had you on the show, you talked about the year-end rally that you are expecting. It seems like this has finally started to happen. What sectors and markets do you prefer to play the rally? Yes,
3: indeed. The year-end rally has started last week. Um, Obviously, we are seeing a bit of consolidation this week after a rally of as much as 6% for US equities last week. But we think there is more in the cards um, until year-end. We think this year's winners will likely continue to perform well, which means quality growth stocks in the IT and communication sector. But we also think the bond proxies, uh, which suffered tremendously this year due to higher rates, will continue to rebound and move higher. So things like healthcare, utilities, and also real estate. Probably also the laggards of this year will enjoy some rebounds after the tax loss harvesting uh, period. Um, So, you know, things like small caps and value stocks, but we would rather use it as a selling opportunity if they rebound eventually.
0: Plenty to think about for investors then. Uh, Thank you so much for being on the show and for the great roundup, Mathieu.
3: Thank you very, very much for having me, Bernadette.
0: Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and you, of course, for listening. Don't forget to join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be back, hosting more of our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.